What's up, wrestling fans, trading card collectors? Welcome to another episode of Wrestling With Cards, the podcast. I'm your host, Zan Morning. You can check me out all over social, all kinds of platforms. Just search Zan Morning. You can probably find me somewhere. On today's show, we've got part two of my interview with David Peck. We pick up our conversation where it left off on the last episode. This episode focuses more on the wrestling card market, David's thoughts on modern wrestling cards, and how to handle differing opinions within the hobby. I think a lot of times people come up against these gatekeepers that have differing opinions, and maybe they get a little submissive, maybe they get defensive, maybe they get angry, and hopefully this is an episode that you can take some information from and just you know power through any kind of negativity that's getting put in your way, whether that's in the hobby, whether that's in life. Before we get into this interview, just a few ways that you can help support my content. Don't forget to head over to my YouTube channel, Wrestling With Cards, same name as this show, where you can find some visual wrestling card information. A lot of times video just works better for some things, so I like to do a lot of different things there than I do on this. Please subscribe and share that with all your friends that are into trading cards. If you want more great wrestling card content in audio form, though, make sure to check out Worlds Collide wrestling card podcast I do with Tony Vela from WrestlingTradingCards.com, two YouTube personalities talking all things wrestling cards. And if you really want to help support the show, links below to my Patreon, social links, Spotify, and much more. Just check the show notes. And let's get into part two with my interview with David Peck. I agree in everything you just said. And you actually brought up a next point that's a good segue into my next question. This is something a lot of wrestling fans, um, I think sports cards fans kind of get it, but you're talking about Gary flashing his wrestling cards. Okay, so he's flashing The Rock or Hogan or Flair, right? Everybody's like, oh, they universally get those pop culture icons. But then he'll post King Kong Bundy or Kurt Henning. And your average guy doesn't have a clue about that. You were on Brett McGrath's Stacking Slab show recently, which great podcast. Go check that out and go check out that episode. You mentioned the difference between pop culture wrestling collector and a wrestling collector. So just talk a little bit about that because I think there's a there's quite the divide there. I lean more towards the pop culture side, and I don't think some people understand that. Well, um, all right, let's use your T-shirt, for example, okay? Um, Terry Gordy and the fabulous Freebirds were awesome, right? Right. But I mean, hell, now with them with the Confederate flags oh, and all man, that, man. I mean, it might actually, you know, now they're quote unquote controversial. Um, but but I would just say that Terry Gordy was a great performer, um, fun to watch in the ring. Okay, but he's not Hulk Hogan, right? Right. If, if we sat down, uh, like you and I, um, obviously share a passion for old wrestling, right? So, Correct. so we know lots of the names and probably almost all the names. Okay. But if we just sat and let's say we camped out in the mall with a little table and, and we stood there and said, Hey, we're doing sort of, uh, some market research. And I want to ask you if you know these wrestlers names. And, you know, we name Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Andre the Giant. Anybody most likely has heard of those names, okay? But let's say you say Rip Rogers. <laughs> Good example. Um, 
you know, I mean, anybody who's a hardcore wrestling fan knows that he's, you know, he's a good wrestler. He's a major wrestler trainer. You know, I mean, he's an excellent mind for the business. And I don't know about him or I'm not a fan of Ole Anderson, but think about Ole Anderson, right? right. Okay, they're not going to know who that is. Um, and so um, people that are really deep into wrestling cards, you know, they want to have those type of cards, right? But what we're seeing more so is there's this huge demand for the big stars and you know there's some demand for the rest i mean i i'm obviously collecting them i, I know you have some there's other people as well but a lot of that's actually driven from the psa registry i mean i'll give you an example like take the 1982 wrestling all-star series b um buck zoom hawk oh. is one of the most disgusting human beings ever right yeah, i mean right. you know he's in jail for uh i think he, he like raped his stepdaughter continuously and it's like a cult and she finally broke away i mean just terrible stuff right yeah 83 all-stars similar scenario bob sweet hand you know uh annexed himself to canada and i guess he recently died now those guys are bad human beings but somebody like me that's trying to put together the nicest wrestling set. I got to treat Bob Sweeten seriously. Yeah. I got to buy that card. Okay. So you're getting demand for those cards out of just hardcore wrestling collectors. But, but, but like the average person that's more into sports cards that now just wants to sort of dabble in wrestling, they just gravitate to the pop culture icons. And so I, I, I think that, um, the reality of it is, is that there's two, two cards. I mean, Hulk Hogan, one of the biggest stars of our lifetime, no matter whatever it is. Um, Randy Savage, you know, obviously gained a lot of popularity. Um, so you just have these huge names that have really played a major role in people's lives, um, that, you know, they think of their childhood and, and, you know, and, and from an investment standpoint, I mean, uh, when you get into the the set collecting, sometimes the 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 I'll give you an example. I paid two thousand dollars for a Mike Sharp PSA ten from the '83 All Stars. Okay, there's like three dudes in the world that are willing to pay two thousand dollars for that card. Okay, um, maybe it's worth more today. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Okay, but that's not really a great investment card unless you just get more people that want to complete the set. So just sort of like I'll give you an example, like the 86 Fleer basketball. Um, Johnny Moore yeah. is the toughest PSA 10. Okay, there's a lot of people competing uh, to try to create a full PSA 10 set. So the Johnny Moore card has actually been a good investment because, you know, as more people want to buy them, there's not that many of the card. Last I checked, there was like 37 or 38 of them. Well, if you've got 200 people trying to put together a PSA 10 set, it goes up in value. Okay. Well, in the wrestling world, um, there's a handful of sets where set collecting has, you know, really taken hold. Um, wrestling all-stars obviously is, is the most, uh, coveted and comes to mind. Um, but 
But those are tough investments because, so take Mike Sharp, population two, right? Well, if tomorrow you find uh, 25 sealed sets and you rip them open and all of a sudden you get one Mike Sharp, the price of that's probably going down, okay? You get two or three of them, it's going down for sure, okay? But on the flip side, you know, take like right now today, I mean, the, the population on an 82 Hogan PSA 9 is 16, okay? Now, that number, I believe, is inflated by two uh, because sometimes people play the crack and resub yeah. game. And, you know, the difference in a 9 and a 10 on that card is just, you know, it's like a house. Well, that said, um, you know, if tomorrow another PSA 9 Hogan hits the population total, it does nothing to hurt the value, okay, at all. If anything, it might help the value because whoever gets it is going to put it for sale, okay, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, it goes for a big price, and you've now got um, a, a realized comp, you know. And on top of that, the other big issue, one of the drawbacks to wrestling cards is a lot of the best ones are low population. So when they're stuck, when they're buried in collections like mine and they don't sell, it doesn't get new people interested, you know? And so I think actually what's been very helpful to the market is a lot of people submitting wrestling cards and trying to flip them because, you know, uh, cards are, you know, uh, very addictive. And once you start buying them, it's really, really hard to stop. And so, you know, when you had, um, Sorry about that. When you had, uh, um, I'll give you an example, like in the past week, we had uh, a groundbreaking sale in the baseball card market. The Mickey Mantle PSA 9, 52 tops, went for $5.2 million. Now, that same card was sold maybe two years ago by Evan Mathis, uh, the ex-football player, for $2.8 million. So it went up. 2.4 million in a couple of years. Unbelievable, right? Well, the guy that bought it is um, an, an actor and a, he, he sells businesses. Great guy. He's been on a bunch of these shows recently. He was very likable. Um, well, he also disclosed he had two Jordan 10s. Um, so what's happening is as more of this uh, sort of big money is coming yeah. into cards, like they're buying wrestling cards too. Uh, I, I sold a Ric Flair some time ago, and I need to check. It might have been him the more I think about it. Um, maybe not, but I, it, it, it might be. I know Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan's agent is getting big into wrestling cards, mm. um, and he's collecting basketball and stuff. So you're seeing these mega stars, like real crossover interest. And so I just think that the reality of it is, is that, you know, uh, unless that guy um, just for whatever reason loves one of these regional stars from a kid, they're going to focus on the big names. And, and that's why you're seeing uh, just such hotly contested auctions for the stars. Uh, let me run an idea by you that I kind of do and just get your opinion to maybe help other people. So I kind of like to set up almost like a little mutual fund portfolio of cards based on what I like. So, for example, you're talking about the Road Warriors. We showed the card earlier. 
one of the most famous tag teams. However, I still feel like mainstream pop culture doesn't necessarily know the Road Warriors like they know Flair Hogan. So I like to player collect Road Warriors cards, specifically the cards that have like both of them on it. So yeah. to compensate and kind of safeguard myself from that, I'm buying a lot of The Rock because one of the biggest stars there is currently, huge wrestling star. I don't necessarily like The Rock as a fan, but I understand it. So I flip The Rock cards to pay for the big Hogan, Flair, and Austin stuff I like while also buying the cheaper Road Warrior stuff and kind of just keeping it all together. That way I satisfy the collector aspect as well as the investor aspect. What are your thoughts on that that process? Well, I tell you, I think it's great. Um, I watch, uh, so we're sitting in this front room here and uh, what I, I, you know, put this phone up on a little tripod. Um, next to me, I've got a 75 inch TV on the wall, right? And I, um, I watch for the most part YouTube. And so, you know, I, I watch your content. I watch uh, some of the other programs. I watch a lot of, wrestling i watched some sports card like content you know yeah and um i think that i've been particularly impressed with you know i heard you say that you started with ten dollars and flipped your way to a bunch of this stuff i mean honestly congratulations it's awesome thank you um i think that you know what's good about the hobby is uh and i saw your your post today uh on Instagram and Twitter about those rock cards. All right. Well, if you're selling them, I assume you're winning, right? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And so what the beauty though, is this. Um, so there's a lot of cards that have actually gone up, like um, that are not these pop culture, right? So I'll give you an example, like the 85 wrestling all-stars that magazine set. Yes. Well, you're seeing people sell singles on eBay and they don't move like instantly. Right. Right. But, but let's say that uh, in the road warriors, let's move them to the side because they're always one of the better ones, but like take like the missing link. Right. Good example. You might go to have bought that for $2 and you put it on there for $14 might take three months, but somebody comes along and buys it right right because there's not a lot of competition um you might be the guy that wanted that card um and so you found it for three dollars and now you parlayed a win on the rock you reinvested three dollars in the missing link and now you've got a 10 or 14 dollar card so i think where a lot of people um they you know, in recent years, I mean, now with these social media platforms, I mean, it's obvious I've got a lot of the nice cards, right? I mean, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. But but I have a ton of low price cards, right? I mean, next to me over here, and that, you know, I, I don't even know what to do with them because we're trying to <laughs> reconfigure this room. I mean, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I got seven uh, boxes on top of each other. Let's see, uh, four. No. No, I got uh, six 5,000 count boxes on top of each other. Yikes. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got loads of like the 88 Wonderama singles in there. I've got 
um, lots of 85 tops, lots of the uh, OPG series too. Well, people got to understand, I mean, some of these commons are, are just sort of like semi-star cards that used to be 10 cents. If now they're 25 cents, you know, that's a win. pretty good. That's a win. Like, I mean, you, you know, so I'm in, you know, I, I told you I'm in the investment business. I mean, mm-hmm. find, you know, if you can take something from three to 14, I mean, on a percentage basis, it's unbelievable. Right. So I think the one thing in wrestling that is a, been a great angle, and it's going to continue to be a great angle, is the low price stuff. Um, it does, it's not going to, you know, like when I, um, I love the term flex, you know, <laughs> can I, I, in terms of like, people are like, oh, like Justin Bieber, you know, he's flexing his, oh, here's Pokemon David Peck stuff, again, right? flexing his 82 all-stars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like, and, and that, you know, I mean, honestly, that's by design. I, I, I create content to try to like create interest, you know, right. and awareness. I Same. Mean, I, I I don't I don't hide that. Uh, you know I I saw early on when I was posting on message boards that like I've never had the Gary V effect, but I had an effect. And as soon as I would tell people that I thought a card was a good one, like you'd see like sales like quickly on eBay. Now here again, I never had the you know meteoric type scenario that Gary V had where he says something's good and it goes up like tenfold. Yeah. Okay. But but I would see that they would move. And so I knew that content was important. Um but so I think you know back to your original question. I mean I think parlaying more high price stuff into low price stuff can actually be a great strategy. One, you, you're happy from a collector standpoint. But two, I mean, like, I, I, what, how much did you sell that rock card for? Um, I bought them together as a lot for $50 shipped. I sold them as a lot for $450 shipped. Okay, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. And I'll tell you, to be honest, like, the reason I sold them, and it's just personal information, my wife needed a vehicle, so I don't want to go into debt to get a loan or anything. I paid cash for the vehicle. So I'm just trying to recoup some extra money in my savings accounts. And I was like, hey, I don't need these. And then I looked and saw the percentage of a winner. I'm like, I'll take it and move on. Well, first of all, that's absolutely awesome. Uh, second of all, you know, what I, I, this is why I got, I'm so happy I own wrestling cards. I mean, think about that. You're, you took 50 bucks, okay, that, you can't even go out to a, a semi nice meal for right. 50 bucks. Okay. You set it aside and some point in the future, it's 450 bucks. Um, now, so back to, you know, like I do a lot of stock trading, right. And, you know, um, good luck finding a nine fold increase. Right? right. I mean, that's really challenging. Like, this year, like Tesla has been like the, in the last 12 months, like the just incredible stock, right? Well, I sure, I sure as hell didn't see it going up as much as it did. So the beauty of what you did is you had something that was, you liked, right? It went up and you were able to turn it into tangible uh, money that alleviated the, the risk of the, the situation you were presented with, right? Right. But, but let's just pretend that you didn't do that. 
you could have taken that same $450 and found somebody that was selling, let's say a wrestling collection and binders and, and made and, and found a bunch of like commons and sets and you name it and maybe doubled your money immediately. Right. Yep. I mean, it, like, so, so the flipping opportunities and wrestling cards um, have been incredible. And, you know, I think the challenge now is there's a lot of them listed on eBay so now everybody, you know, they're, they're hip to the idea that, that cards are, you know, potentially worth something. So it's gotten harder, I think, to find the value um, just simply because you have more collectors looking and you've got a lot more inventory online where, you know, people are um, like, I see some of these asking prices on some of this stuff and I just like scratch my head. Right. But then like, Five days later, I look at completed auctions. I'm like, sell. I'm like, they just sold that for $150, you know, and hey, it is what it is. So um, I, I think it's great. Yeah. And to be honest, that is the first time ever that I've taken money out of cards and not put it back into cards. That's the way I've gotten everything I own because I just keep reinvesting, like you said. Um, next question. Are you, what are you buying currently? Uh, just in general, I'm not talking about a specific year set anything when you're, are you still actively looking and buying cards? And if so, what, are, what are, are you still on the older classic stuff? Are you kind of branching out? What are you looking at? Well, I check eBay every day. Um, and I check eBay frequently during the day. Um, so I just bought this, uh, pack uh, of the road warriors and the, uh, Rick Martell. Um, I'm always looking for wrestling all-stars cards. I, uh, you know, one of the, the benefits of being sort of online and just, you know, people, uh, sort of figured me out. Yeah. You know, I get approached sometimes, you know, with people wanting to sell me stuff. And so in the past year, a lot of the stuff I bought came from, direct sales off ebay right uh, and th these weren't items like where we circumvented ebay they just they're like reached out to me specifically gotcha. and said you want to buy um but i'm a uh now i don't like all the terms in the hobby like player collector and super collector you know i just think we're all collectors i mean whatever um but brock lesnar is my guy so I'm constantly hunting for uh, his football cards. I think that those are neat. Um, you know, the Carnation set, I'm, uh, I had a devastating situation happen a couple years ago where I bought a PSA 9, okay, of the Coloffs. And it was a population one. I paid $500. Guy listed it at an aspirational price, and I said, screw it. I, I, it was... I don't think it was worth 500, but I just was like, okay, I'm buying it, you know? So I, I'm so excited and it comes in the mail and it has a huge wrinkle on the front. So I, I'd like to think the grader did not miss it. I'd like to think it happened when they sealed it. They just put so much pressure on the card. Don't know the real answer, but um, what had happened, unfortunately, so I had a PSA seven. So, in the process, I sold the seven before the nine got here because I was like, okay, I can sell the seven, get like 200 bucks, right? It'll 
offset some of the sting of paying 500 for this card that here again, you know, probably was a high price. So at least then. So now I'm like, oh my God, my seven's gone and the nine is ruined, right? So I sent it back to the seller. I helped him work with PSA. You know, he got compensated. I don't know the details, um, but I had a six. So I had a six, right? So I'm always trying to um, work on the carnation set. You know, I just got that Road Warriors 8.5. So right now I've got five of the six cards in their top grade, but I have a Koloff's in a six. So, so I'm hot in pursuit of that. Um, the wrestling all-stars, you know, that's sort of a given. Um, and I, I'm into the uh, 85 tops WWF stickers. Oh, okay. Need a, a few more of those. Um, and uh, just trying to complete that set. Uh, I, I don't know that I'll make it to the top, but, you know, I've, I've put together a nice run of those. Um, and, you know, I, I tell you, um, I guess... In some ways, I have regrets not investing across borders. Like I, you know, in like 2010, 11, I started doing some baseball to, you know, try to grade it out. And, and man, I look at some of the stuff I sold and you're just like, it's sickening. You know, I had it in 2010, I had bought a Jordan PSA 9, uh, 86 Fleer for 1100. Oh and gosh. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I sold it. Like hey, a few months just, later, I'm sure like, you just go ahead. I'm sorry. I, was, I sold it for twelve fifty. I broke even with wow. beach. Yeah. Now, now, I mean, in theory, I put the money into the wrestling all stars back then. Yeah. So you still it went came up. out ahead. I'm sure. Oh, I don't know now because that Jordan. I, I mean, some of them things are firing off at like thirty and forty grand. But one of the things I think that we all have to keep in mind is you can't look backwards, right? 100%. Okay. It's so easy to play Monday morning quarterback, but it is what it is. I mean, I looked at like, so the 2002 uh, WWE Royal Rumble is a set I like, right? I sold a John Cena um, uh, nine for like 20 bucks or something. Oh my. Yeah. yeah. I sold a 10 for like 125. Um you know, I, Brandy Orton, I think I sold a 10 for like 40 bucks, you know. I mean, I naturally kept, you know, some yeah, for me. Yeah. But the point I'm making is, is that I could sit here today and, and cry over spilled milk. But at the time when they were worth a lot less, like that paid for like the whole box, you know, and, and I got the rest of them for free. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So I just think you just have to kind of like, you know, you look back and you know okay that, that stinks but you know you move forward and so i'm just um but as far as like we've discussed this online you know the new stuff just i don't have any real attachment to it i don't really have interest in it and so i'm, I'm sticking with the vintage or quote-unquote vintage wrestling brings up uh, several questions i actually had down but you mentioned it so i want to bring them up too um you said you were getting, you had bought baseball. Is there anything currently that you have as like your collection or stuff you're looking at outside of wrestling? No, just that the only thing I do is the um, sports outside of wrestling, right? So like I'll give you an right. example. One card that I've just never pulled the trigger on, but I like is um, Wahoo McDaniel has, I want to say 
1967 Topps football card. Yeah, I've, um, I've seen it. It's it's sixty. I, I think it's sixty seven, but um, neat card, and it's just that I just haven't pulled the trigger. So that's something that I like. I think for me, I I love to collect, and I've bought a lot of cards that are you know pure collector cards. But I also like the stuff to go up in value. I mean, I right. I've never I've never hid that right. Right. So let's say I drop two hundred fifty dollars on a Wahoo nine i don't really envision that card going up a lot um very niche audience you know you've got some of the people that collect the actual football set but outside of that i don't think you have you know you have a few crossover buyers like me right but i don't see that going from like 250 to a thousand dollars right well if i put that same 250 in this carnation pack over here um I actually have a chance to really multiply that money. Right. Um, you know, I, I, if the, Mar if the Martell grades an eight, um, you know, probably $150, $200 card. Right. So at least it pays for itself. If the road warriors gets an eight, that's probably a $400 card. So all of a sudden I've got a $600 pack. Let's say I got to spend another 30 bucks, say to get them graded. So I have 280, that turns into 600. Not like, you know, it's not the uh, end all be all, but I mean, it's still like doubling your money, it's right? A it's a big win. I mean, a hundred percent is a big win. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I, you know, the, if the, if the road warriors grades is seven and the Martell grades an eight, it's probably a push, right? I, I, I'd make, you know, I'm up, right. And I freed them from their case and had fun with you, right? So, you know, that's a win too. I don't see, there's not an example here where I lose. Right. Um, and so with wrestling cards, I have, um, I've never like knowingly entered into a losing scenario. You know, I've opened, like in the past, I, I've lost money on a buy. I opened an 82 all-star set that had, you know, a lot of times you, you, they look great, but you open them up and there's a pressure ding on every single card, right? Underneath the top card. I lost money on that, right? So, you know, it stunk. I mean, quite frankly, if I'd held on to them uh, and I still, if I'd held on to the Hogan and just threw it like in a box, I probably would have been okay. Um, but, you know, so I lost some money on that. But on the flip side, I mean, I've done 82 all-star buys where, um, you know, earlier this year, I bought some sets from Jerry Lawler, uh, right-hand guy. Right. Yep. And a bunch of those are at PSA now just sort of waiting to be graded. Well, I pulled two Ric Flair nines out of those packs. Okay. I sent those in express. I was like, these things, these look good. Well, nines, a nine just sold the other day for 3,200. Um, I, you know, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out I'm going to win big, right? <laughs> Right. So, so I like to, if I'm going to, you know, I like the money to try to grow, you know, I mean, so, so that's why I've sort of like Brock Lesnar was my project where I didn't really care because Brock's right. my yeah. favorite, you know, and it took forever for his cards to start moving. They're finally starting to go up a little bit, but for the most part, I buy stuff where I think there's opportunity. Okay. So a couple other things to just kind of piggyback off of what we talked about. Uh, you said you don't like a lot of the modern stuff. 
is is there any modern um so we're talking releases say within the past few years is there any of those that you've seen that you like or what do you think about what i personally do is i buy up the serial number parallel uh autographs any kind of the more limited runs of the big stars i still think that like everybody wants to go for the 97 i think it's panini wwf stickers right now because it has that rock in it i'd rather have the limited run rock chrome releases you know the out of 10 out of 25 what are your thoughts on that as far as modern and the rarity scarcity of the big stars well um for me it's not so much that i think this stuff's bad right it's just that so if i go um to target and let's say they have some wwe boxes i i don't even know what they cost but let's say it's 100 bucks just for argument's sake sure and i may get left with 20 dollars worth of merchandise i might get left with 200 dollars worth of merchandise but that's a lot of risk to me because I can either lose 80 cents on the dollar or I double my money, right? Those are not very good odds. I just opened this Road Warriors pack and feel like I could lose. So to me, a lot of it just has to do with the economics of the situation. Um, I will say this though, if we continue to see this wave of new buyers coming into wrestling cards, um, some of the modern stuff has potential. Right. You know, like some years back, there was a uh, Roman Reigns super refractor. And, you know, I think it sold for like fifteen hundred bucks. That's pretty good. Well, to be honest with you, if they, somebody put that up today, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it went for like five or ten grand. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not I don't know if it's worth that. I mean, what, what's what's anything worth? It's only worth what somebody's what willing the market to tells you it's worth. Yeah. But I mean, think about that for a second. Like. Um, we, we sort of joked about flexing. Only <laughs> yeah. one person gets to say they own the Roman Reigns super refractor, right? Yep. And, and so all it takes is two people that really want that and you've got a high price, right? So um, I've seen tremendous uh, sales of, take the rock. Like, I mean, anything the rock is sort of hot right now, right? right? So got that new show so, coming out. Well, yeah, yeah uh, no doubt. But I mean, so if you're buying, like, say, a number to five, just for argument's sake, um, if somebody wants to become, a, you know, like try to put together like a really great rock collection, well, they need that. Right. And, and, and the, the other issue is, is a lot of times all five of those never surface because. Yeah, that's a big thing I've the, noticed. They don't the packs don't get open like people leave the pack sealed. Right. And so, you, you know, maybe only two of them or three of them ever really show up. And then on top of that, let's say that, well, let's say I go buy the box and I get one and I want to have this rock card. Well, it's locked away forever or for the most part forever, you know? Yeah. So um, I do think, you know, it's like, so uh, Brett and I were talking after his show for a second and he bought a um, a really limited run uh, Becky Lynch that PSA ten it's signed. Okay, um, I don't have any interest in these female wrestler cards, right. but I certainly don't begrudge anybody who does. Yeah. So 
let's say that uh, five years from now, you know, Becky comes back from pregnancy and she stays on top and is, you know, a great star. Well, what if she wants the card? Okay. You know, what if like a family member of hers wants the card? You know, one of the things that's happening in basketball cards, some of these guys are getting into their own cards. Right. And, and I don't blame them to be honest with you. You know, like I, uh, I uh, you know, and, and this sounds super egotistical, but I'm telling you this right now, if I was making $24 million a year and there were some trading cards in me, I'm buying them. I'm yep. not lying. Okay. You know, why not? And, and not even for investment, just for the hell of it. Just right? to have them. Yeah. Just to have, them, you know? So I think that the thing is, is that, you know, what if like a wrestler decided to get into wrestling cards? I mean, you know, it, you just never know. So I think the modern stuff, what's really good about it is that if they get a big push, if their popularity gains, you could kind of have like similar results to modern sports cards, you know, cause the challenge, like Ric Flair has been on raw lately. Nothing he does on raw is helping or hurting his card value. Right. Okay? Which is good and bad. Yeah, it's good and bad. But like Sasha Banks apparently was just named like top wrestler by ESPN. That can't hurt her card values, right? Right. Let's say she, you know, because I always like years ago, I was like, man, this chick is good. Like she, she, I think she's got um, great charisma. She's super talented. Um, she's obviously in great shape. You know, I mean, she's got a lot going for her. Well, let's say that she goes into WrestleMania. I don't even know if she's, you know, where she's at on the card, but and let's say she puts on a tremendous match and then they keep the strap on her for the next year. Can't hurt her cards. I mean, they're probably going to go up, go up I mean, yeah. you know? So I think that from a speculative standpoint, um, if I was to speculate, uh, I would be sticking with the modern like mega stars. Um, I would not be going down the card, uh, you know, like take Kofi Kingston, right? Yeah. I'm sorry, but his chest should disqualify <laughs> him from being on top. Okay. And I know that sounds bad, but it's no, just, I know what you mean. Give me a break. Well, no, I mean, like, you know, the thing about like John Cena, I mean, John Cena looks like a action hero, like a GI Joe figure. Right. I mean, right. you know, he's got a look where you're like, this guy should be the top dog or he should be in the hunt. Kofi Kingston does not have that. So what's going to happen two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, nobody's going to care about that guy. Yep. Unless you're just like a, like a specific collector of them. Like we were talking about earlier with the um, Buck Zumhoff card you need if somebody's putting a a set, but something else uh, you you mentioned Cena and uh, Sasha Banks, both of them are pop culture stars. Um, Sasha Banks was a Mandalorian recently and John Cena's everywhere. So that's another thing back to the pop culture wrestling cards versus regular wrestling cards. Well, John Cena, I've seen several commercials recently where mm -hmm. one, he's in the commercial and one's his voice. Okay. That can't hurt the value. Um, it only helps the value, you know? And so um, the crossover nature uh, of wrestling, I mean, the goal is for them to parlay their, for lack of a better term, acting skills into more money, into more marketability. 
you know? Right. So I would stick with those. Uh, and, you know, I'm not picking on Kobe Kingston, but like, yeah, no, I just mean example. like, I just think that he's somebody that, you know, he won the title for a minute. And, but nobody can tell me that long term that his collectibles have a chance to compare to Hulk Hogan's. I mean, right. I just yes. think that's a, I don't even know if anybody would even try to make that argument, but you get my point. Right. Uh, so since we're talking modern, uh, what is the most modern card you own? Like well, as a somebody gave, me, uh, somebody gave me a Ric Flair um, graded card that came out at one of the nationals a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Okay. The, so it like, was probably one of the least products. O-B-A-K, O-Back or something. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in the box somewhere. Um, the... I bought some, you know, like when Street, Steven Strasburg came out, you know, I bought some of those Allen and Genter cards. I probably have some of those somewhere in a box, like not many of them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just haven't, um, I just haven't speculated on the new stuff. I mean, like I said, I mean, I think anytime you're pumping money into a hobby, um, I, I, I just don't agree with the idea of like throwing it away. Right. And, you know, I think you see a lot of, um, people that buy wax packs and end up with nothing, you know? And I did see, it's funny. I, I did a share on Twitter the other day. Some guy nailed like a number to 10 Zion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Right. You hit the lottery, but for every person that opened a pack, 99% aren't going to get that result, you know? So uh, this is pretty much the last question, but it's a little bit long-winded and it kind of ties up some things we we're talking about. You just mentioned Zion and you were talking about how kind of the, the way to make more money is getting harder within wrestling. But I know you keep up with the sports stuff. So I'm sure you've seen like uh, PSA 10 or PSA 9s even, the Luka Doncic Prism card is like, you know, super popular. And even though there's like a huge population of them, people are still paying, th uh, you know, $1,000 for those things. Do you see wrestling cards getting to that, uh, even slightly to that point? And what do you see just overall for the hobby and the future of wrestling cards? Well, um, I think there's a few cards. Like, so for example, like take 85 Tops Hogan you've seen an explosion in that card in price. Right. You've also seen a lot of new graded. You're going to keep seeing some graded. Um, that has a lot of, it's an iconic image. There's people like me that open packs in 85. Um, I didn't open many, but I opened some. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, I think a lot of people like love Hulkamania, you know, it's, it's, it's a picture of Hulkamania. Yeah. Um, so I think a card like that, where, you know, you've seen a lot of turnover. I mean, you're seeing eight sell every other day. I mean, it's, there's a lot of them, right? So a card like that, you know, probably can absorb a lot of submissions and, and hold up and, and maybe go up. Um, as far as like, you know, so like Golden Auctions right now has a uh, Luca. And it's one of the, the rare print ones, you know, and I think it's at like 280,000, um, you know, plus the buyer's premium, you know, yeah. so you're 320,000. Um, there's only a couple wrestling cards that could ever break six figures. I mean, you've got the 82 
Hogan in a PSA 10. And, you know, um, I, I know there's BGS collectors out there and, you know, but PSA and, and BGS grade those differently. Like if you see the, the BGS 95 Hogan, they have virtually no lower border. Um, they will not grade a PSA 10. I mean, some of those people have already tried, like it, it's just not going to happen. Uh, what PSA looks for is a lot of lower border. They want a full square card, right? And it's tough on that card. I mean, there's just some of these that have the way they were cut from the factory, just not a lot of lower border most of the time. So if you saw a PSA 10 Hogan, yeah, that's a six figure card right now. If you saw a PSA 10 Andre the Giant, um, it's easily a $50,000 card and, you know, maybe six figures, it's sort of debatable. But most of the cards will be lucky to break into four figures. Um, and, 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 and even less could break into five figures, you know. So I think what it really boils down to is a couple of things. Um, the major sports, there's just a, a lot larger collector base. So, right. so there's more buyers. That's obvious. Um, but you're also seeing a lot of hoarding, you know. So like uh, I saw Gary V. I I watched a video yesterday. He's got something like 53 LeBron uh, tops crump. Yeah, those okay? crumbs. Well, I think one of those, I think he's going for like 24000 So, I mean, here you got a guy that may have a million dollars of value in one card. Um, I don't think that there's wrestling collectors that have the deep pockets to make that happen, right? I mean, uh, it's funny. Last night, uh, my wife was watching TV, and it's there's a fun show. I, I think it was on Netflix. And it's about these rich Asian people, right? Like out in California. And I'm not talking like rich. I'm talking rich. Like like one of the ladies is like a, from a, a family that's like a billionaire. I mean, like mega money, right? So um, if one of those people decides to, let's say, become a basketball card collector, like instantaneously, they're a force to be reckoned with. Like right. you just, you can't compete with that, right? But in the wrestling card market, um, I'd say there's you're less likely to see like lots of new collectors that have like such deep pockets that that they can just basically run everybody over. Um, so getting the prices that high, I'd say, are slim. Now, on the flip side, you know, you take the '82 Hogan. I mean, we've talked about it extensively, but now a seven is going for like twenty five hundred or more. You know, so. There's real interest. I mean, you can't pump a card up in a grade of a seven, you know, to 2,500 or 3,000 and it be like, you know, a crummy card. Like it just right. doesn't happen, you know? So I just think that the um, comparing wrestling to baseball, basketball, it's tough, uh, you know, for a multitude of reasons. But I think the primary drawback is just that the, the average person that's going to sit on um, wrestling cards is not loaded. You know, it's, yeah, it's okay. not, a, it's just not. And, 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 you know, um, I, I, like I have obviously I've graded a lot of cards. I still have a lot of cards and um, you know, I, I don't want to sell them. Right. But the reality of it is, is that you also wouldn't see me racing out to buy them at these prices in the Correct. sense that, Okay, like, so 
I don't really know what a PSA nine Hogan will go for. I mean, we saw the uh, the sign one go for twenty grand, and then a few months later was thirty six for like thirty six six, right? Um, so let's say a PSA nine is twenty thousand, just for argument's sake. I'm not I, I'm not going to go out and spend sixty thousand dollars to buy three of them. Nope. You know, I uh, just not, and I'm not saying it's not worth that. I'm just saying that I'm just not the guy that would be competitive at that price. So what it's really going to boil down to is, is that, you know, like Gary V, for example, he's got, um, he stepped up to the plate and he bought a flare PSA 10. Okay. And, you know, so he bought it, a guy bought it on eBay and ended up selling it to Gary. And, uh, you know, the population report shows six, there's only five because early on, um, and it's actually the guy I bought my first set of wrestling all-stars cards from he liked BGS. So he took a PSA 10 and he crossed it over to BGS. Right. Which now obviously looks like a bad move. Um, maybe back then it wasn't such a big deal, but okay. So there's five of those. Well, I've got two. Gary's got one. My buddy Greg's got the other. And then Ray from Hawaii has the fifth. If one of these, you know, like if somebody out there really wants one, um, they can't even get can't one. Get to you know? it. It's, just, it's just not there. Okay. So let's just say another one hits the market. Let's say that Greg decides, and he won't because he likes his stuff, but let's just say Greg decides to sell his. And you may remember a couple of years ago when Flair did that um, pep talk with the Colts. Right. You know, and they're all doing the Ric Flair's, you know, and cutting the promos in the locker room. Well, what if Gary talks to one of these football players and shows him his Ric Flair 10 and that football player says, oh, man, Ric Flair is my guy. I got to get that. The sky's the limit. Correct. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what's happened in baseball and basketball. It hasn't quite happened in wrestling. I'm not ruling it out. But I just would say it just remains to be seen. I'm a big believer that it will happen, but it's kind of like what we've talked about. It's only going to be like those top stars, Hogan, Flair, Andre, Rock, Steve Austin, you know, people that have transcended pop culture into sports, into movies and TV shows, because all it's going to take is a little bit of that institutional money to get into it. And then in my opinion, it's just going to, you know, the tide's going to raise all ships, so to speak. Well, you know, uh, one final comment on this is, so a private equity firm reached out to me on Twitter and the guy sent me his information and I just, you know, I haven't responded back. They want to add wrestling into their font, right? Amazing. It is. And so one of the things that people have got to understand and, um, you know, I always joke about it because, People, for whatever reason, love to take the other side of my opinion online. Um, I, 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 I don't understand um, why. I, I don't know if it's just like, like they just want to be a dick. I don't get it because if I comment on something extensively, um, the chances of me not have putting some time into it and really thinking it over is, yeah. is obviously not high. So some months back uh i 
uh, started a thread about when Collectible, the app, launched, they were doing this um, 53 Tops Mickey Mantle card. And I wanted to buy in just for fun. And it just turned out that it was more complicated with my job than I realized. And I said, okay, I'm not going to do it. Well, um, that said, you know, one of the things I said, I said, listen, this is a game changer because now you've got, you know, before to, to sell a $200,000 card, in this case, that card was two and a half million, right. but, but let's just say a $200,000 card, um, you know, there's a small number of people that legitimately can afford that. But, but you all of a sudden have a company buy the card and open it up to 600 investors who put in 100, 200, 500, 1,000, et cetera, and the demand has exploded. Okay, so what's happened, you know, they've launched, there's other, other rally is one, I think there's another company, I don't know the name. I mean, stuff is, it, I mean, it's shocking how quickly it's selling out, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what's happened is anything that's considered high end, the, 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 the upside has now changed. So, so take the, um, the 94 Miami Bumblebee uh, Dwayne Johnson car. Yep. Okay. We've seen a meteoric rise in that car. Okay. Well, what's interesting, you don't see any tens hardly for sale. Like even the price has gone up so much, but it's not like people are rushing out to sell it. But let's say tomorrow that collectible, um, so the last PSA 10 was like 14,100 or something. Let's say they put one up on their app tomorrow at 20,000. Okay could sell out in a heartbeat, right? Small investors, oh, I'm going to put in 200, I'm going to put in 300, et cetera. Well, 15 to 20,000 overnight, simply because they're allowing access to smaller dollars, okay? Right. The, these private equity funds. So I watched a video um, recently and the two highest priced basketball cards sold to one of these funds, right? So that's not a natural buyer. It's just pooled money that is um, trying to grow, right? Mm -hmm. So if all of a sudden you have a bunch of people collectively that put their money in a fund, that fund has a much bigger uh, you know, power in the market, right? I mean, all of a sudden, instead of on their own, maybe they can only afford a thousand. Now they're part of a $1.8 million card. So this institutional money that's coming in, both from retail availability and just institutional, right? It's big. And yep. so I think the, um, you know, today, um, so Collector's Universe, you know, probably the thing that I look at that tells me the strength of the market was the explosion and the number of cards being graded. So um, when I started in 2010, PSA graded 1.6 million cards that year. Well, it, it, a few months ago, and I, I don't know what the current total is now, but Joe Orlando put out yeah. uh, uh, in an article that they were taking in 250,000 cards a week. Okay. That's amazing. That's over, that's over 13 million cards in a year. Okay. So, I mean, that, that it doesn't take a genius to figure out that the interest level 
you know, has gone up. Well, today, um, so Collectors Universe had initially agreed to sell their self to uh, Stephen Cohen and Nat Turner, a group by them. Well, they had to raise the offer. So today it came out that they raised it to $92 a share um, from somewhere, I think it was 75 or 76. So um, that said, I mean, there's so much big money that this has caught their attention. So I think we're just in one of these periods where, you know, you know we'll see, you know, hindsight will be 2020, a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, we'll look back and say, well, I should have known this or I should have known that, you know, the, we'll see. But the market is so strong right now. And, and I just think that there's a run that's still very much um, taking place. Well, David, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for flying the flag and fighting the good fight for wrestling cards all of these years, getting it to where it is. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you at. So I'm on uh, Instagram at 1982 Wrestling All Stars, and I'm on Twitter at uh, DPEC100, um, which you'll find, I, I, you know, it's probably not a day that goes by that I don't get direct messages with questions. Um, you know, if you need it, information don't hesitate to contact me i'm always willing to help i mean i'm not here to give people you know sort of investment advice on yeah. cards but you know if you you know because I, I i'll be honest with you i mean I, I think a lot of us are just sort of flying by the seat of our pants <laughs> but um regardless I'll, I'll do anything i can to help i mean i just i think it's great that we've got more people coming into the hobby and and enjoying um what i've been enjoying for a while and there you go, part two of my interview with wrestling card legend, David Peck. Now that we have the full interview in audio form, I really hope that you've been able to learn some things and take away some valuable points from this interview. As collectors, we're always looking to learn, we're always looking to get better and understand things. And I think David really put some things in perspective. Thanks again to David Peck. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at dpeck100. You can also follow me on social platforms at Zan Morning pretty much everywhere. Uh, probably still on MySpace and AOL Instant Messenger. So if you can find me there, uh, if you know, that's a chase. Chase card, digital chase card. Please share this episode, subscribe, leave us a review. Uh, let me know what you think, what you would like change, if you have questions. Happy to field any comments. Until next episode, make sure to check out all the great wrestling content on my YouTube channel, on the Worlds Collide podcast. Never stop learning. Never stop striving for goals, and most importantly, collect wrestling cards and have some fun. Until next time, see you wrestling fans. Hey.